Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater this morning in Florida. Um, Today is Wednesday, September the 28th, 2022, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book in the chapter more about alcoholism on page 31. We'll be reading and commenting on the first paragraph that begins, despite all we can say, and ends to drink like other people. Today's readers, and thank you for your service in uh, September, for the 12 steps, Esther F, for the 12 traditions, Julie P, readers of the text, Ramona A, Vanessa G, and Susan SH. Our newcomer greeter is Kathy M, and our second hour host is Janice PM. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, September 27th, 2022, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 19,452. That's 19452. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 19,453. That's 19453. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over foods that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. And I will now ask Julie P. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. My name is Julie P. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in northern Minnesota. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, accepting matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I wish everyone peace in their day, and thank you for allowing me to do service in September. Thank you, Julie P. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 31 in the chapter more about alcoholism. We're gonna be reading and commenting on the first paragraph only that begins despite all we can say and ends to drink like other people. I will now ask Ramona A. to please begin reading. Good morning. This is Ramona A. in Vermont. I'm a recovered compulsive eater. And um, 
Glad to be here. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule, therefore non-alcoholics. If anyone who is showing inability to control his drinking can do the right about face and drink like a gentleman, our hats are off to him. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. So, start my timer here. Um, the, that sentence, um, anyone who can uh, control his drinking, you know, and turn about and drink like a gentleman, I'm going to skip that one because that never applied to me at all. I, I never had any control over food and what I ate and, and, uh, and especially my trigger food. So I can't say, you know, when I finally, finally got into OA, in um, the early 90s, I really dove into it, and it was wonderful. And I said, I'm home. But it still took me a while to say, I'm a compulsive overeater. That just didn't sound so good. You know, I never had any idea before that this was an illness. And, and um, you know, so mentally it had, it had kind of stuck in me that this was mm, not a very nice thing to be. So that, and finally I had to accept that, that that was true. But I still did, after a while, uh, some deception. There was self-deception because after a few years, I thought, I'm so busy. I've got so many things going on. I really don't need to go to all these meetings. And I really don't need to keep sponsoring and doing the steps and whatever. And over a few years after that, you know, when I totally left OA, I gained back more weight and um, just more more than I had weighed before. So that I had to let go of that self-deception, you know, and that experimentation that wasn't working at all. And I know that oh, I still wanted to try experimenting a little, and uh, you know, didn't hadn't really specified trigger foods, but I knew sugar was a problem. So in uh, July 28th. 2008, I had an experience that told me, give up the sugar altogether, and I was able to do that, and I haven't, you know, two or three times since then. I've gotten into some, but uh, not not like before. So what I have known, what I do know that I've tried long and hard, though, to eat like other people. I've tried other things. My abstinence has changed and let go of things more and more and more as time went on till I finally, you know, say, these these trigger foods I don't eat anymore, and this is my abstinence. And, uh, and I know that I cannot eat like other people. I know that will never happen. I no longer have the reservation that maybe when I'm 95 years old, you know, I can have some ice cream or something. <laughs> that isn't there, and I can't have it. And... Uh, and finally, then, I have peace with that. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Ramona A., for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. So if you've shared on any of the vision meetings on Monday or Tuesday, we ask you to hold back. 
And who would like to share on that paragraph that was read this morning? Bonnie B. from Minnesota. Bonnie. Lee H. Lee H. Jen A. Jen A. Heather E. H. Heather. Ken W. H. Ken W. H. You all are just being so lovely to me this morning. Anybody else? Faye L. Faye. Okay, who I have. Oh, go ahead. Judith R. Okay, Judith. I'm going to put you down there. And I have Bonnie B, Lee H, Jen A, Heather E H, Ken W H, Faye L, and Judith R. So, Bonnie B, please go ahead, followed by Lee H. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Lisa, for moderating. I'm just going to start my timer. This is Bonnie B. Um, currently in Minnesota, recovered by the grace of God, and so very grateful to be on the lines this morning. Every paragraph means something to me, which is hilarious, because when I first came into this program and I was thinking about one of my sponsors had said, you know, it's selfish not to share, I would look at the paragraph and think, what am I going to share on? And every single paragraph, every single sentence now has value to me. So the couple of things that I'm going to hone in on today were, um, you know, by every form of self-deception and experimentation. Um, that's a diet. You know, the next paragraph, which we'll talk about tomorrow, um, you know, here's some methods. I wrote in the sidebars all the things I've done. It is an awful long list, and many of them I did more than once. And I did it um, because it's what I thought I needed to do. And without having done all that, I never would have come to the conclusion that I truly was um, what the big book calls um, of that sort, right? Um, so no shame and no guilt in trying to pursue, you know, what was it? The self-deception, that's just, that's, that's my way of surviving. I wanted to believe that I could figure this thing out. And so I just kept knocking on the next door. When I came to the rooms, I finally figured out there was only one solution. And that's where freedom began for me. Um, and then the very last sentence where it says, heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. Um, you know, one of the greatest gifts I was ever given was from another fellow in this program, and she, she said, it's not lack of desire, it's not lack of willpower, it's lack of power. Um, I wrestled with the lack of desire and a lack of willpower, and I was set free when I finally understood its lack of power, which means that I have to connect intentionally to my God every single day, and I have to surrender from the moment I take that first breath, everything about my day to my God. Um, commit it all to him, surrender it to him, offer it to him. We are currently in Minnesota, but we actually have a place that is in Fort Myers. Um, if, 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 you know, what's going to happen to the place? I don't know. We go down the 13th or the 21st. I'm sorry. I have surrendered that to God multiple times, and I surrendered it again today. It's not mine to determine. But I know that because I have this connection to my God, um, and, and that he cares for me as he cares for everyone else in that Florida area, that he knows he's, he's going to make provision for whatever needs to happen. So I get to turn it over to God every single day, all of it, including my food, everything, and then I get to live in that place of um, a protection and safety as I just work the steps and trust him for everything. And so I thank you guys for everything. I hope you guys have a super blessed day, and I will pass. 
Thank you, Bonnie B. And Lee H., you're up, followed by Jen A. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you so much. This is Lee H. I'm so grateful to be here. I live in Tennessee, and um, boy, the shares have been great so far. Um, Yeah, I too have, as I listen every morning and, you know, hear other people's shares on the paragraphs, more and more truth is revealed to me about what I used to do with food. Um, And, you know, I can really relate to the self-deception and experimentation. The way I used to do that was it wasn't so much, yeah, I did probably eat, you know, a lot out of bags and boxes, but um, what I used to do was um, when my children were growing up, when when we would, you know, be eating our meals and have dessert, I was constantly, you know, just watching to see what my children were eating and what they weren't eating, and especially the dessert. And uh, if anything was left on the dessert plate, um, I, I just, you know, it was like an extra treat for me. And I, and it was like it just didn't count, like that was okay and um, that I wasn't overeating by doing that. Um, and... I think the other sentence that really jumps out is just the last sentence talks about heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. And I had an experience, um, you know, that there will always be these family gatherings. And that's the thing. The food is always going to be around. And um, I was with some friends and I had brought some desserts for them to eat. I told them I was not going to be having it and after the get together was over the the whole thing of dessert was sitting there in a box and there was one bite taken out of one piece and I just it just reminded me that was like how in the world did somebody do that I could not have done that I just remember I was in so much pain not eating um, before you know, because that was the way I medicated. And I'm just so grateful that, you know, I have just completely come to defeat. I've come to realize that I have no fight when it comes to food. And then I've learned that my higher power uh, doesn't give me a spirit of cowardice, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And I am so grateful for that. And I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Lee H. And Jen A., you're up, followed by Heather E.H. Good morning, Lisa. Thanks so much. And wow, thanks to the lady who kicked us off today and her share. It's just a reminder to me that, yeah, I do keep coming back to these meetings and I keep rereading this book and keep taking others through the work because it's so crucial. Um, it doesn't keep me sober. It's not my abstinence. It's, it's, that's not it. It's the reminders. Um, because I have a broken forgetter, um, you know, built in there. It doesn't, you know, doesn't. Rem- I, I just go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it was like that. And I have to be reminded because it gets so good that you forget you didn't want those things. Um, when I first came to Overeaters Anonymous, um, I didn't know I had a problem with food. And then I started hearing people talk about, you know, and they rattled off all their food logs. And I was like, wow. And I'm like, yep, I did that too, yep. And I just, like, was like a bobblehead you know, in the circle, um, sitting there in that church, nodding, uh-huh, I did that. Um, and then I, I started reading this book, and I remember getting to this point and being like, oh, my God, you know, I, I'm never satisfied by the food. When I eat that food, the desire for more becomes amplified. It becomes magnified, and I can't stop. 
you know, my coworkers in my office, I remember they were like, oh, well, you can just have just one. And I'm like, oh, if I eat one, you ain't going to have the box of, you know, whatever you're eating left or there will no be, be not, there won't be a bag of chocolate left. That, there won't be anything because I can't stop. Um, and, you know, I, I love that every bite counts. Every bite counts that I eat and every bit of experimentation counts before I get here. And in the doctor's opinion, you know, I'll never forget on that first page, I wrote down 65 different things and ways in which I tried to control my eating and drinking. Um, you know, my, and, and, and it was, it's crazy, but it, it all counts. Every diet, every experimentation, because I can't get there until I've completely exhausted myself out of ideas. Am I done yet? Am I done yet? Am I done yet? Can I keep controlling? I have to keep proving like other people. Oh, I'm the exception to the rule. No, Jen, you're not. You don't have the ability to control anything. I always remind myself I was out at 3 a.m. running on a track thinking, I got the power, right? And I'm sitting there singing that song in, in my earbuds, and the next line comes up in the song, and it says, it's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of hectic. And I was like, yep. It is, and that's the unmanageability piece. So I just have to remind myself that, yep, the ways in which I tried to control my eating and drinking didn't work. But you know what does work? The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous, a power greater than myself that's going to restore me to sanity. So today I choose to turn all these things over to the God who resides over me. This deep down side of my heart today, thank you, Lord, for coming into my life and giving me freedom from the food and the obsession. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. And Heather E.H., you're up, followed by Ken W.H. Heather, press star one, we can't hear you. Can you hear me now, Lisa? Yes, Heather, thank you. Okay, hi, sorry. This is Heather E.H. from Texas, gratefully recovered uh, just for today. And uh, thank you, everybody on the line who uh, shared and everyone who's here today. Um, This is a wonderful paragraph, and I just had to share on this one sentence because um, I totally and totally identify with almost everything in the big book, but especially this chapter. And um, anyway... For me, um, I tried every form of experimentation uh, to um, prove that I wasn't a compulsive overeater. And see, I didn't even know exactly what a compulsive eater was. And um, all I knew was I was binging and purging from the time I was 17 until I was 29. And... um, I didn't even, I wasn't even able to be conscious of it. I blocked it out totally that that would be an overeater. And um, and then I was an undereater too. And so then that was a way for me to justify that I was an overeater. And it slipped into my mind that there might be a program of recovery for overeaters but um, I just thought I was an alcoholic, and so I concentrated on that program. But anyway, um, I did everything from the time I was 17. I became a vegetarian. Uh, 17, I became a um, bulimic and a exercise bulimic. 
And then um, my AA sponsor was doing my first fifth step with me. And she sat me down. We were at a restaurant. And she said, Heather, I'm not doing your fifth step with you until you go to OA. And I was like, oh, my God. I was devastated. And so I, I really valued her. And I showed up at my first OA meeting and my only OA meeting until I was 60 years old. This is when I was 29. And um, I didn't hear a word these people were saying. And they didn't use the big book. And it was a huge group of uh, mainly women. And um, anyway, I went on for the next 40 years trying every form of dieting and total denial that I was a compulsive overeater, knowing in the back of my mind that OA existed. And um, not until um, I had a complete um, hit bottom experience did God come into my life, and I started uh, going to vision, listening to vision, and working the steps with the recovered sponsor. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for everyone who's here. And y'all have a blessed uh, blessed day. Thank you, Heather E.H. And Ken W.H., you're up, followed by Faye L. Thank you, Lisa. Ken W.H., Recover Compulsive Overeater in North Carolina. Um, Yeah, um, I'd always kind of trip over this thing to drink like a gentleman or... I never, I don't know what it means to eat like a gentleman <laughs> or a lady or anything else. I uh, uh, I just ate because I wanted to eat, and um, I don't. I'm not aware that I was trying to be like anyone else. That that I was. I just was concentrating solely on uh, getting what I wanted when I wanted it, and just eating like I wanted to, and hoping that someday that. Um, <clears throat> I would be healthy and at a good weight and everything else, just magically, I guess. Um, but that never happened. And um, I I am aware today of just utter powerlessness, and I, I can't help but be reminded, as the first speaker uh, said, that uh, Florida is getting cream today, I guess, and um, that it's really bad down there. And that's powerlessness. Um, my, my sense of powerlessness, uh, was that I could just never push myself away or not do something that I knew I shouldn't be doing. Um, I didn't know how to evacuate today. I know how to evacuate. I know how to get out of situations. I know how to get away from my, my magical, mysterious mind that, that wants to think that I can do something that I know is just going to lead back to uh, just unhealthy behavior and not being a gentleman. And um, so today, um, I just know that there's an evacuation route. I'm on it. Uh, I'm living in in the safety of, uh, of that evacuation route. And I'm so grateful to be here today. Thank you. Thank you, Ken W.H. And Faye L., you're up, followed by Judith R. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much. I'm Faye L., a newly recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, newly recovered after 
32 years in the rooms of desperately trying um, to recover using basically every method except the 12 steps <laughs> and definitely every form of self-deception and experimentation. Um, for two decades, I was um, trying to follow a strictly weighed and measured food plan, which eliminated most of my alcoholic foods, but not all. And it was called the gray sheet. And I created my own version called the face sheet. And the face sheet had all the little exceptions, uh, like, but if I'm at the nail salon, I can have a Tootsie Roll because, you know, <laughs> it just illustrates my complete lack of understanding of my dilemma, which for some reason, it took me 32 years to get. I used to, um, I would say, well, popcorn is a vegetable and I will just have raisins instead of milk does because raisins are fruit. So that's a vegetable and a fruit. What's wrong with that? Or I remember being at the circus years ago and my food plan at that time, my food plan was a protein, a grain and a vegetable. And I said, well, nachos, the cheese is the protein and the chips are the grain and the jalapenos are the vegetable. And I couldn't understand why I could not win this battle. And the most beautiful, best thing my new, my current sponsor said to me, the first thing she said to me is, Faye, the battle is over. You lost. You lost. And it was such a beautiful relief. Like, oh, it's over. Surrender, surrender. So, I can take off this heavy armor. I can put down these heavy weapons, these blood-stained weapons. I can take all of this off and lie in the grass and relax and feel the sun on my face. And I can heal now. I can heal. Um, I didn't have the correct information. I didn't have all the information about my alcoholic foods. And even once I got that with beautiful recovered OA sponsors, it took a little bit more of beating myself up. I just needed to torture myself and continue my experimentation, my self-deception. I'm so thankful that the battle is over. I am so grateful that I lost because by losing, I won. Finally, I'm, I, my food is gorgeous. I enjoy my three meals, but they're like not the highlight of my day. My family is the highlight of my day. My friends, my career, my Hi. the others I get to work with. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Faye L. And Judith R., please share with us. Judith R., press star one. Sorry, it's Judith Carr. I was having trouble in meeting. Thank you. Um, this has always been my favorite um, chapter. And um, losing our legs and methods we've tried are so important. Um, and this is the, the paragraph between those two favorites. Um, and certainly... When I found OA 44 years ago, I had been calling myself a foodaholic. And 
So when a woman on a retreat said, I go to something called Overeaters Anonymous, I was like, oh, okay. Well, as a foodaholic, that probably is what I need. Um, But then came the years of self-deception and experimentation. I really hated my first meeting. Um, Although I loved the fact that they told me I had a disease. That was the best news ever. Um, Because I thought it was all psychological and I thought I was, uh, something had happened when I was two years old and it could never be fixed. Um, so exceptions to the rule, that was, that was me. Um, and I came in at a weight that other people were trying to reach. Whereas for me, a very low weight was my suicide weight because I could not accept having a weight higher than reasonable weight. Um, so I had, I, I, I was an exception to the rule. I was obviously the exception to the rule because all these other people were really fat and I wasn't. And I could control my eating for a week, a month. Um, it was, has a name. It was called dieting. And at the end of a certain period of time, I would suddenly had this wonderful experience, I thought. Well, I, it was a horrible experience, but it was the moment I would give myself permission to binge. And it was like, oh, why have I denied, denied myself this joy all this time? Wow. This is a, and I would say to myself, bingo, and it would be like permission to binge, and then I would enjoy it for nine full seconds and then start to hate myself with a passion that was unbridled it was it was really demoralizing (laughs) so i did the write about face and drink like a gentleman for a gentlewoman for a very uh for very funny periods of time that led me to believe that um i would say to myself and i've heard this a million times um with that i'll pass (laughs) thank you Thank you, Judith R. And this morning, we are on page 31 in the chapter more about alcoholism. We read the first paragraph and comments on that one paragraph that begins, despite all we can say, and ends to drink like other people. Who else would like to share this morning? Jim S. in Toledo. Rick J. Rick J. Janice. Janice. Yes. I got you. Lori H. Miami. Lori H. Donna K. Ohio. Donna K. Colleen M. Colleen M. Okay. I have Jim F., Rick J., Janice P.M., Laura H., Donna K and Colleen M. So Jim S, you're up, followed by Rick J. Yeah, Jim S in Toledo, Ohio, compulsive overeater. Um, I'm relatively new at this OA stuff, 
And um, I heard a lady talking about um, abstaining from sugar and flour. And she's very happy doing that. She's actually joyful doing that. And I have, like, I have no clue what she's talking about. But um, this morning when I made my cream of wheat, I used brown sugar. And I'm thinking, hmm, that must be what she's talking about, eliminating sugar and flour. Um, So um, I know for myself, I have a friend I talk to in OA, and he continues to move forward, and I decided to ask him how he does it. And he was talking about this particular meeting And he said that he just listens. He doesn't share. And I thought, well, then I'm going to try that. But today when I was listening, that topic about sugar came up to me. And I'm thinking, excuse me, I need to change my whole um, outlook on, on eating. And, um, I'm thinking of something that's called uh, the Daniel Fast, where um, they have recipes and so forth, and and I'm not sure exactly what that will do for me, but um, I'm learning a little bit at a time what to look for, and with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jim F. And Rick J., you're up, followed by Janice P.M. Hey, good morning, Lisa. My name is Rick J. I'm a recovered compulsive ever eater in North Carolina. Um, first thing that's hitting me this morning, you know, it's uh, at every form of uh, self-deception and experimentation. Um, because I, I'm really enslaved to a disease that tells me that I don't have a disease. And um, so prompted by this, this disease, this living inside of me and convincing me um, I don't have a disease. um, I will try every form of self-deception and experimentation and control. I will try to control it. And we, you know, have another paragraph coming up, uh, you know, after this one that describes in all the wonderful creative ways that we've tried to um, control our eating. Um, and, you know, I, I have lost my control, but despite everything that I'm going through, my disease will still tell me I don't have a disease. It's that delusional thinking. And, you know, my sister in South Carolina, you know, she uh, she says the problem with delusional thinking is that we don't realize it's delusional thinking. And uh, and another voice that I hear also tells me that uh, my disease sounds just like me. So no matter what is coming on in my head, it's you know it's my disease. It's speaking my language. It's 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 really reaching through to me uh, to tell me that it's okay. You don't have this disease you can control despite what uh what i'm going through what i'm feeling what my body's going through 
you know, the emotional wreckage and pain that I'm experiencing, no matter what's going on in my life. The first time I uh, I tried to control my eating was living alone after uh, having my driver's license or no revoked permanently in this state. And, uh, you know, living alone and trying to find uh, something to do with my time. And I started making uh, massive amounts of homemade ice cream. And I went out and bought a uh, six quart stainless steel freezer with a huge motor. And I made all these like deluxe uh, premium ice creams and uh, would give them away to my friends and I would have millions of calories, you know, in, in the kitchen. Uh, and, and I would, I would be doing this, eating all the ingredients as I was making the ice cream and then eating the ice cream and then giving it away. But because I was giving it away to a few people, you know, in my mind, I was controlling it. I was controlling this. And that was the first time after I'd stopped drinking that I realized <laughs> that um, I'm starting to lose control here. And then my disease would tell me, it's okay, you've got this. Just don't eat all those roasted nuts that you've got over there and the different gourmet chocolates you have over here. Just don't eat Hi. all of it. Make your ice cream. With that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. And Janice PM, you're up, followed by Laura H. Well, again, good morning to you, Lisa H. Um, I think it's Lisa. Um, this is Janice PM, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, yes. Um, this chapter is more about alcoholism. And so it doesn't say all about food. It doesn't say all about sugar. It doesn't say all about uh, alcohol. It says all about alcoholism, which is an illness, a disease. Somebody already already mentioned it. Um, yeah, and in, despite means in spite of what all the years that I learned this and I learned that from, you know, that read the books and all that, you know, um, I still resisted. I still denied. I still defied because my self-deception lying to myself <laughs> that I was so unique that it didn't it didn't apply to me because um but you see what are we this disease that I have and I think a lot of you have is is physical and it's mental it's the allergy of my body that's what we're trying to fix the allergy of the body. Now, what does that mean to me? I said, oh, the allergy of my body. But the real thing is the <clears throat> trying to fix and manage and remedies about my, um, my phenomenon of craving. That's what the secret is. You know, because it's hard to equate allergy with phenomenon of craving. That's why... Whenever we we know that we you know we have to know that certain foods give me I know what foods give me that phenomenon of craving and asparagus is not one of them. So you see, I have to know that. That's why I can't control that because that's in my body, all right. And that's what we're focusing on here is the body part, but more important, it's the mental part before I pick up that. And that's why. 
if my if my if I have a disease with my mind, I can never be able to control the phenomena of craving when I look at pick up a donut because I know that's that's an allergy that that creates the the craving for more and more and more. I mean, this is the simplicity of this program. It's insane <clears throat> to know to try to control. Okay, I'll have half a donut. <clears throat> tell my son, please go when I get up, please give me some donuts. Go go get donuts. Now, if I tell you to go get the donuts, don't go. Then I would tell him to go. He didn't know what to do. You see, so we were always trying, I was always trying to prove myself an exception to the rule. Therefore, you know, my state of mind that preceded that first bite of a, of a, of <clears throat> of a food that would create more and more and more in my system. Now, you know, at times when I was younger, I would try to diet because I was so motivated for a new boyfriend. Well, you know what? Thank you. After a while, that didn't work (laughs) because I can't control the testing, always testing the phenomenon of craving. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice P.M. And Laura H., you're up, followed by Donna K. Good morning, family. My name is Lori H., and I'm from Florida. And sitting here looking at that word self-deception, lying to myself, well, that means I'm talking to myself again. And I had a year of recovery where I spent my time talking to God and listening to God. Because when I go back to talking to myself, I will always tell myself it's okay to have that first compulsive bite, bar none. I convinced myself of all, rationalized and justified myself into my disease my whole life, back and forth, living about the weight and the power I thought I had when I dropped some weight. And I don't want to lie to myself anymore. And my last relapse was really, really painful. And I've only been able to get two, three weeks at a time coming back since June. And I finally got on my knees in the middle of the night and, and just, you know, had an amazing cleansing of tears and I asked to be shown the truth and my God showed me that my TV addiction was uh, equal to and I became willing because I don't want to die to unplug that TV to cancel my cable and to do whatever my higher power tells me is the next right thing you know and then I look at this and I and I think experimentation yeah you know I I adjusted myself to my disease for so many years so I could eat the way I wanted and not suffer the consequences that I became like this expert in nutrition so I could still get the nutrients my body needed. And I became the little scientist and I became expert at detoxing. I was going to know how to do that in three days so I could still do my job and have, and have presence of mind and be focused. And, and, you know, I self-willed myself almost into the grave. In my last relapse, I was actually taking aspirin, so I would not have a heart attack while binging. And um, I can't live like that, and I certainly don't want to exist like that anymore. I want to live my life and be happy. If I'm going to be here in this world and I'm going to love my people and be effective and, and be joyous and free, i got to do everything, not pick and choose like I'm still at the buffet of the tools and what I'm willing to do. You know, and I stopped questioning my sponsor. You know what? I don't care if that my disease tells me she's just trying to control you. I don't care anymore. I'm just going to do what I'm told to do, and I'm going to recover again, and I'm going to be so grateful. 
And I got to tell you, I was afraid that uh, uh, the grieving process, I'm like, now I'm going to grieve over the food and the TV because it was the first couple days like I broke up with a boyfriend, just like it was with the food. But you know what? I asked my God for help and guess what? That's gone already. And I keep asking for help because I'm not in control. Thank God I'm not in control. I see what me being in control does. I don't want to hurt people and I want to be loved and be able to communicate effectively and have these wonderful relationships. And I want all these promises in my life. And you know what? I'll keep coming back. I'll keep doing the work and I'll get them because I'm no different in that regard. I trust my God. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you, Laurie H. And Donna K., you're up, followed by Colleen M. Good morning. This is Donna K. from Ohio, recovered for today, um, but not cured. Um, thank you for letting me share. The, the part of the reading that really speaks to me is the, our hats are off to him. Um, heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people or in my case, to eat like other people. Um, my recovery has been uh, progressive, very much like my disease has been progressive. Um, I'm very grateful to be recovered today. Uh, I really I did a lot of testing and, and retrying methods and, and ways to, quote, control the food, but uh, they never worked out very well. Um, I have an unrealistic expectation of, of being able to uh, not have those thoughts anymore, but they still bubble up sometimes. Um, I was the, the queen of sneak eating. Um, you know, I would do the errands out, quote, an errand, really so I could go do a run or something back when I was, you know, in the disease more heavily. Um, my mental state uh, at this time kind of goes in and out occasionally. Um, but it's not going to be perfect. It's, it's, I loved the one, an earlier share about it. It's nice to put down the weapons and just, um, relax into recovery and, and be joyful and grateful for the, uh, just the new relationship with my higher power and to realize that the fight can be over. I don't have to fight this anymore. Um. I just need to work my program and stay steady with my higher power and uh, not let my denial creep back in. So anyway, with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Donna Kay and Colleen M. Please share with us. Hey, sorry. This is Colleen M. from Maryland. And uh, just thank everyone that's on this line has given service today. And I just wanted to point out the, um, I had to concede to my innermost self that I had this thing. And I spent, like everyone has said, a lot of years trying to control my eating. Um, I was one of five children and I was the only heavy one in my family. And I used to watch how my siblings eight so I could copy them and I thought that would work you know people when I was a kid at the guy at the uh, local store would try to beg me not to buy candy that I had stolen money from my father to get and um, 
you know, I, I knew there was something wrong with my eating. I just didn't know what it was. Uh, even in the rooms of OA, um, you know, I gave up sugar for many years because I thought that was the answer. But I didn't give up artificial sweeteners. And I had no idea that these things were triggering my addiction, my physical addiction. And until I really came to some healthy recovered meetings and heard, started studying the big book, did I really, and, and connecting to the physical allergy, the mental twist, uh, was I ready to, to concede to my innermost self? And, and I know that a lot of that was grace from my higher power to have the willingness. Um, you know, I wanted the, I wanted to eat the way I wanted to eat, but have the freedom of not having this disease, and, and that has not worked for me. I had to be willing to give up my uh, alcoholic foods. I had to be willing to turn my life over to my higher power and do the rest of these steps. And I have to do that every single day because I wake up an addict every day. Um, there's no cure. Um, you know, just, just uh, what I have found in, in these rooms is, and I've been able to keep, I haven't had to eat compulsively for over five years, which is a, a real miracle. So that's really all I got. Thank you guys for letting me share. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Colleen M. And it looks like we have time for one two-minute share if anyone wants to take it. <clears throat> Chris B., Go ahead, Chris. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Um, my name's Crispy. I'm in Florida. And, um, you know, I've been dealing with, and I am definitely a compulsive overeater, recovered on day four. And um, I guess real quick, you know, reading all this, I had to laugh last night because uh, I woke up in the middle of the night. I'd had a dream, or you might call it a nightmare, that I had a bag of cookies, you know, I was going to have just two and then finish the whole bag. And I had to think for a second, did that really happen? And of course it didn't. I had no cookies around. I haven't had cookies around for about a month or so. So I also dreamt about a, an ex-lover. And I thought, wow, that's another program. But um, so I know a lot of fears are coming up, but I'm so grateful for all the other people in this program. I made outreach calls yesterday. Uh, I made a point to meet people in uh, Florida because I knew they knew what I was going through. Um, I stocked up on healthy food. And uh, this morning, I feel like God just told me, hey, you don't have to just do the eating plan for today. Why don't you go ahead and do an eating plan for the next three days in case we lose electricity? And this just big sense of calmness came over me. It was just one more little thing that I didn't have to worry about. So I am so, so grateful, grateful for my sponsor, grateful for other people in this program, and most of all, grateful to God. So thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Chris B. Thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, September the 28th, 2022, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 19,461. That's 19461. 
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Vanessa G., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, everyone, for a wonderful meeting. This is Vanessa, recovered in New Mexico. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will certainly or surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.